everyone and welcome to this week's On The Spot. I'm Zach Strickland here with J.P. Hampstead back from the road uh, this week. Yep. Uh, we're here to talk about what's happening in this week's freight market, on the spot market specifically, but also other things involving the freight market in general. So, J.P., welcome back. Thanks, man. Yeah. Glad, um, glad to be back on, on the spot. Good. Um, had a nice quick little trip up to New York, uh, but now I'm out, out of that city, thankfully, <laughs> and, and back home. Um, yeah, so our data is sort of recovering from, you know, the holidays. Uh, we've seen a decent, a decent um, pop back up in volumes, although nothing like, you know, December levels. Right. We have to, we, you know, we have to say, I mean, January is still January. But, um, you know, important markets like Atlanta, Houston, Elizabeth, New Jersey have all shown fairly nice recoveries, um, you know, trucking capacity is still tighter than it was before the holiday period, but it's sort of, you know, gradually loosening back up. So I think um, the percentage of loads that are being rejected right now is about seven and a half percent. And we expect that to fall back probably below five percent um, eventually. Yeah. Um, just to give a little bit of context, seven and a half percent is higher than the summer peak in June and July. Right, right. right. Uh, so yeah, that's it's still it's still tight. I mean, it's a lot of that has to do with obviously drivers getting back on the road. Um, this time of year, we obviously have weather issues and things like that that Im impact uh, capacity. But right. overall, the market is is going to gradually recover. I think the third week of January statistically is about as loose and as slow as it gets for the freight market in general. So, yep. or outside of of course the holiday period between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, um, you know, and we had some good jobs numbers actually come yep. out just this morning. Um, not, I think it was a, we added 145,000 jobs. Some of the previous months got revised downwards slightly, but we're still at that three and a half percent unemployment level. That's you know, frankly, below the natural you know floor. Yeah, this is we talked about this a little bit on with me and Anthony on our on our Freightonomics podcast this week about the jobs. Everybody is healthfully employed, uh, almost overemployed to an extent. Uh, the quit rate is actually pretty high. So any right. of those brokers out there, they have those high attrition rates. Uh, you know, it's it's an overemployment situation. So there's right. a lot of optionality for a person to go and switch jobs right now. Um, and that that really impacts carriers too, uh, in terms of keeping drivers happy. Uh, you know, in their in their space, they can just walk across the street in general. Uh, but we are watching this year. I think the theme will be how quickly does the supply side of the freight market come yeah. back down? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think there's reasons to be constructive on the capacity side. Uh, you know, we saw uh, new truck orders come in low in December, six and a half percent lower than. December 2018, um, you know, well below replacement rates. And I think, but we're, we've also been watching the used truck market and we got some really interesting data over the past couple months on those uh, three-year models. Uh, Zach, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so the three-year model has been really resilient in terms of keeping its price up. Now, why this matters is the fact that when demand is high, that's going to elevate the price of a used truck. Right. So the more somebody's willing to pay for that used truck, that means that there's going to be an increasing amount of supply in the market because people are going to start snatching up these models. Right. Now, and so and so, we had that whole period of really you know tons of new truck orders. And, the, and all those, the trucks that were being replaced were going into the used market and right. they were being bought up quickly, you know, e even though 
you know, record numbers were being put into the used market, the prices never came down, which was telling us, you know, alarmingly that supply or, or capacity really wasn't correcting itself. No. We thought it was we thought it was going to correct itself really fast. I think we all make that assumption yeah. that uh, the market's going to react quickly. Like once you see a problem, you're going to immediately solve it. And that's just simply not the case. If you think about investment cycles and how people, you know, go through these, I'm going to I decide to buy 10 trucks. That doesn't happen overnight. It's not like, oh, I got my credit card out ready to buy a truck. Yeah. You know, and it didn't happen. I, I mean, back in February, we were still talking about prices going up on the used track, uh, right. used price right. market. Now, the four and five year models uh, did start coming down a lot sooner. Uh, the three year model uh, has collapsed here in the last few months. I think, what, $10,000? Yeah, from about $66,000 a truck to about $52,000 a truck now. So, very significant depreciation, and um, which we think is a good sign. I, I think you know, it just basically means there's a light at the end of the tunnel that people have stopped buying trucks as much. That um, this is going to be, you know, we were talking before the show. There's a number of sort of slow burn factors that we think are going to gradually constrain capacity over the course of 2020. The used truck market and new truck orders being one of them. Another one being on the driver's side. Yeah, the driver's side, we obviously have, well, we have AB5, which you don't think is going to have any substantial impact because they're not going to uphold it. Yeah, we've seen multiple rulings come out in in, um, all the different venues that it's been challenged, kind of saying that, you know, there's this federal statute saying that states can't really pass laws that affect the service or the pricing of interstate trucking companies. Clearly, uh, outlawing, you know, leased on owner ops, you know, does. So I don't think that's going to be as big of a deal as something like the drug and alcohol clearinghouse. Right. The drug and alcohol clearinghouse, obviously, is this repository uh, created by the FMCSA that carriers now have to go through in their hiring process. They also have to report anything that they have found out into this clearinghouse. So it's a giant centralized repository. What that means is that anybody with a record of drug and alcohol abuse uh, that have been arrested for will now be easily accessible. And also that leads into you know the fact that a lot of these drivers just simply won't get hired as quickly. Right. And so, and I think it's important to note that unlike, for example, the ELD mandate, this isn't just like an on-off switch. They, this is a database that they've now just started populating. Uh, I think I believe on January eighth is when it went live. Sixth, sixth, January. 6th. So you know, about a week or yep. less. Um, and as the year progresses, as more data points are added, as more violations are added, drivers are added, etc., it will become you know more and more of an overall capacity constraint. It's going to start off slow. It's going to build momentum, and at some point it'll reach a critical mass where it does materially impact you know, carriers' ability to hire, carriers' ability to grow their fleets, et cetera, et cetera. So we will actually enter a driver shortage, if you will, at some point, more than likely. And that, and that will be because of certain things like, you know, we also have increasing insurance costs. Yeah, uh, things like that. So, a, a per- not only are they not going to be willing to go out there and start driving on the road, but these this drug and alcohol clearinghouse is actually going to have an impact on the insurance cost aspect. Yeah, <laughs> I think th- I think that you know if it can be shown that the clearinghouse does make fleets safer uh, w- with the the high premiums that um, trucks are paying now, I think. More care, more insurance carriers may enter the market and, and say, "Hey, like like this risk is actually being mispriced. 
it, you know, we should be able to offer it cheaper. And, and it, it might correct itself like that. Well, we have seen actually insurance companies leave the market. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle, yeah. though. It's a, it, it is a cycle. And once it gets high enough, it'll be attractive again. Right. And if it gets safer, then that's just... Yeah, that should right. speed it up. And speaking of insurance costs, it is January, so that means there's a lot of winter weather out there yeah, uh, yeah. that typically will, you know, cause a lot of capacity disruption in the uh, in the market. You know, you have that northern tier of the country, the Midwest, the Northeast, that gets dumped with snow. I think we were talking about before the show, the Northeaster train that happened about two years ago. Yeah, March of 2018. <laughs> um, so my team, my uh, Passport Research team, actually released a report this morning um, kind of show, you know, looking back at a bunch of severe weather events like uh, Hurricanes Michael and Florence, uh, the Midwest flooding of uh, the spring of 2019, and also the four nor'easters that hit the, nor- the Northeast yeah. in a row in March of 2018. Um, you know, talking about snow, talking about driver sentiment toward those Northeast freight markets. It's pretty interesting. I think in general, and I've heard this from, from brokers too recently, that Speaking of insurance costs, they're kind of saying that it's getting tougher and tougher to operate in winter weather events, that carriers are increasingly risk averse, that they just really don't want to put, um, you know, their their trucks in the snow. Yeah. Um, and it shows up in the data, like the FMCSA data that we that we that we track. Uh, fatalities were down significantly year over year. Uh, it shows that carriers are a lot more, you know, they're hesitant to go into these environments and they're trying right. to be safer. And, well, and, and it's like, you know, these snow events, if you're in it, you know, most of the time they're in areas that are fairly well prepared to deal with snow, whether it's the upper Midwest, whether it's you know, the East Coast or whatever. And it's just like, if you can, you know, delay for a few hours. Sure. Even 12 hours. These snow events typically aren't just training over an area. They're, they come through quickly. They drop their snow. You can you can hold off for you know five six hours they, if you need to. They almost never uh, persist long enough to actually disrupt business operations of shippers. Right. It's just these like temporary delays, and I feel like carriers have started you know changing their calculus and kind of figuring out that hey, it's not it's not worth it to put this put this guy and this load in danger for you know to, to make this appointment we can reschedule etc yeah and, and maybe at the end of the first quarter we won't hear the carriers talk about weather impacting yeah, their yeah, their yeah. you know their bottom line as much but it probably will because that means that they won't be on the road hauling freight as much maybe but um, it, it does it does present a situation where you're talking about a contract contraction of supply in the winter when freight volumes are lower so there's going to be these pockets show up more often I think right. here in the next few months right so we at least at least in the first quarter and you know potentially in the second quarter you know beginning of the second quarter mm-hmm. the winter weather sort of changing behavior should play a role we expect um, AB5 to perhaps not be that big of a deal. Uh, the drug and alcohol clearinghouse will be more and more important as right. time goes on. And at some point, we expect that to inflect capacity meaningfully. And, of course, we're watching new truck orders, used truck markets, and um, that's, that will play a role. That's, you know, the other shoe is going to drop, I would expect, in the middle of this year. Yeah, and, and just to digress a little bit into what we're seeing in the broader freight market right now, we're, we're, you know, the northern tier of the country has seen some of the tighter uh, right. capacity. We watched Wisconsin this week, uh, along with areas of the mid, uh, 
I guess the plain states, the Midwest, Omaha, Nebraska had some tightening uh, as well. But a long running trend that we're looking at too is the collapse of the West Coast. Los mm. Angeles volumes have just plummeted uh, year over year versus last year. Now last year we had the pull forward and that appears to be diminishing like almost completely. Right. Uh, we're almost all the way back to where we were with LA dead in the winter, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. not doing as much activity. Uh, only to wake up in produce season around uh, March and April. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's. It. I remember um, back, you know, in the, in the spring of 2019 was, you know, and, and especially the spring of 2018, it was ex- exceptionally hot. Yep. And those were both kind of weird, weird Q ones. Yep. <laughs> especially for the West Coast, so we might be seeing kind of a, like you say a return to like a return long term normal, normal um, yeah. pattern, which, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, and you know we, we've talked about the the port situation there and prospects for growth and you know long-term growth and TU throughputs on, right. on the West Coast and, and what that looks like. But that's we'll we'll save that for another week. Right. And I am curious to think that you know if you know again AB five got pushed off, you don't think it's going to have a noted impact. But Carries had already made a lot of. Uh, you know, adjustments, you know, I know Prime had adjusted by shifting about, they offered like 6,000 relocation packages uh, to get people wow. out of California before this happened. So, you know, it's hard to tell what exactly has happened. I don't think the shippers made that kind of adjustment. No. So this is a volume side adjustment, but I don't think that that's, you know, had an impact. Right. Well, that'll do it for this week's On The Spot. Be sure to check us out every week as me and JP recap what we're seeing in the freight market for that week. Have a great week, everybody. In May of 2020, FreightWaves Live is headed back to the largest freight market in the Southeast, Atlanta, Georgia. Join FreightWaves for our best event yet, featuring captivating keynote speakers and rapid-fire demos of technology that is sure to take our industry to the next level. This is your opportunity to interact with some of the most innovative leaders as we mark a new decade in transportation. See you in Atlanta May 5th and 6th.